Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. No block, no rock. Season two, episode three. Coming off a win. A feel-good win. Woo! Versus Fordham. Thank God we actually beat Fordham Donald Trump University. <laughs> 52 to 7. The and day the day that I complain about a 45-point win means that I somehow got my hands on a on a time machine and I went back to 95 and they played Pacific or something. I'm not complaining about this win. Yeah, I'm not no. complaining. <laughs> and Scott Frost covered the spread, which doesn't usually happen. Exactly. So for you betters out there... You guys are really happy today. Because <laughs> yeah. I, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have bet that. No. I'm sorry. Why like would I just you? wouldn't have. No. Yeah. Especially after our week la- our, our episode last week when we were very negative. L- listen, I was telling some people that I'm related to, I said, look, it was more of a therapy session than like some analysis at you know, like just had to get some things out. Yeah. I was in my feelings, as they say. I mean, I'm not a gambler, except I feel like anyone taking a team cover 45 like or more is a little risky for any team. So, right. you know. Yeah. But especially the way that they came off. But, yeah. hey, but and hell, it was close for a quarter and a half. <laughs> hey, but no, we'll, we'll get to that. But before we get like to that, let's talk about the things that we saw that encouraged us going forward. Okay, yes. Yeah. For, for all the listeners that, you know, we gave you a therapy session last week. Let's yeah. start with the positives. You're getting... <sighs> The positive side of no block, no rock. We're not always negative. And right? I, I would like to declare uh, like a universal uh, cloud that just kind of points out the fact that we understand we're talking about Nebraska beating Fordham University. Okay. Right. That's a we disclaimer. understand, right? right? It's a yeah. disclaimer. So that way we're not, every time we say something good, we're like, but it was Fordham, right? So yeah. it's like, you know. That's we, implied. We're going yeah. into this discussion with that that cloud hanging over. Exactly. So like last week, you know, I started off kind of going off on Adrian, even though he didn't fully deserve it, but Hey, looked very good against Fordham. Looked very good. Went 17 for 23, 254 yards, one touchdown. How many interceptions? Zero. Zero. Yay. So zero. How many fumbles? (laughs) I think he had, I think there was one fumble, but we recovered it. And one miscommunication with the freshman yeah. running back. Uh, ball hit the ground, but yep. we got on it. He didn't try to pick it up and make a play. Whatever. Yeah. It's weird when you win the turnover battle, how often you actually win the game. Yes. It's crazy. <laughs> we don't do that often. So, But Adrian, I mean, look, it was clear that Toure is his go-to. That's He has a magnet attached to the ball. Every time he lets it go, it goes straight to his hands. Yep. You know what I mean? So it's encouraging to see that he has a go-to man. Like he's serving as what Wandale should have been, right? This is the replacement for Wandale. Yeah. Right. Yeah. You every quarterback needs that dude that they know, like, if all else fails, I know where this dude's gonna be on the field. Like all else fails, I know I can just look up and he'll be like in my line of sight. 
every quarterback needs that, and that's what we have in Samori Torre. Well, and you can almost compare him now. I mean, he honestly is Adrian's new Stanley Morgan. I wouldn't, I wouldn't compare Samori and Wandale. Wandale, you know, being undersized and stuff, we had to scheme to get Wandale open. Torre has a talent and gifted abilities to get himself open, which really helps Adrian out a lot. I, I think right. the offense just flows a little bit better when you have a guy who's not undersized playing that duck R position or whatever you want to call it. We'll just call it what we all know it's called, the well, slot position. Sure. You know, Samori was lined up in the slot, and he was making plays. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, I, and just to go on a quick tangent about Wandale Robinson for all you guys listening. Oh, boy, here we go. Here all right. Are. I thought we are going to be positive. But we are going yeah. to po- be positive, <laughs> and this is a positive uh, spiel. Okay. okay. So, Wandale Robinson had a good game. This week. Sure okay? did. Sure did. And you got some of those Husker fans. Oh, my gosh. You let Wandale walk away. Okay. Now, we are talking about Samori Torre. Samori Torre, no, he didn't score two touchdowns like Wandale. But if you look at the numbers and you look at the production and you look at Adrian's confidence level playing with Samori Torre versus Wandale Robinson, I think it's night and day. And I think we have the, the better player this year. Yep. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. my rant. Rant over yeah. about Wandale. Husker fans, don't worry about what Wandale's doing at Kentucky. They are going to do anything in their power to get that guy open because he's a local kid and they want to see him have success. Sure. And they want to make Scott Frost look like a dumbass. So mm-hmm. it, right. is, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, uh, I thought we saw a good quarterback play. He didn't turn the ball over. And the run game was, I thought it was pretty steady most of the day. I do think they're going to have to make a choice on how much Gabe Irvin plays going forward. He just doesn't have that first step or that instinct yet to go field it, but Step and Sebion Morrison are there, and and we finally got to see uh, Jaquez Yantle a little bit. First yeah, walk on. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. So they had 633 total yards. Every time they've gone over 600, Frost wins. Okay. But I would hope. Y- you know what? I'm, yeah. But you know how it goes with turnovers and all that stuff. You just never. You could get a thousand yards, but if you turn the ball over so many times. Yeah. But they didn't. Um. 329 of those was from rushing. Run the damn ball. Yes, run the damn ball. I think from a running the ball standpoint, the running back that stood out is obviously Step, right? 100%. Yep. If you look at the other guys, Eric kind of said it. Irvin, I think the reason why he starts over Step is that he does other things better than Step. Yeah. There was that play versus Illinois where Step's pass pro was ugly with a q u q l y completely whiffed so i think that's that's a comp- i think that's the reason why irvin is starting over step right now is that he just does other things better than step except for running the ball <laughs> lol yeah you know but but i think going forward you would think that step would be the guy instead of this committee thing yeah cuz look if you have Four guys that are competing. What you're saying is four guys aren't really good enough. So I think Step proved that, hey, give me the ball. He showed that he's able to break a few tackles. He's made, He made a little something out of nothing a lot of the time. We'll talk about the O-line um, in a little bit. So just to me, I think Step is the number one guy, in my opinion. And Jared, I uh, I completely agree with you there. I think... Scott Frost and Matt Lubick just need to hand the job over to Step. Get that guy 18 to 20 carries a game. 
Yeah. And the the rest of the committee, like I think if you want to change a pace back, I think Sevion Morrison, kind of like what Eric said, Sevion Morrison, he'd be a really good change of pace back. Very similar running style to uh, Maurice Washington in a way. And it's kind of weird because they wear the same number. Like it, it's just they kind of just take those long strides and they're faster like than they actually look, which is, is appealing to me. And honestly, I think Sevier Morrison ran really hard when he got those two touchdowns. Um, right. But Step is the guy. He can he can hit a hole. He breaks tackles, and he's mature. He's he's a guy that is he has a good frame on him, and the offense just moves when he's in the game. Like there, the the offense spins when Irvin's in the game, and I I'm really I think Irvin will have a bright future, but Step just the offense moves. The you, offense moves. You need to the game. you need right. to pick when the off the, if the offense is moving with somebody, you have to just roll with them. Yeah, and yeah. I th- like I texted you guys like during the game. We're all sitting in the stadium, and I texted our little NBNR group chat, and I'm like, dude, this offense is night and day with Marquis Step in there. Mm-hmm. Like, like it, there, there's a huge difference between when he is in there and he's not. And you have to assume, or you can only hope that this coaching staff used this game as a gauge to figure out who their bell cow is. Mm-hmm. So, hopefully. Yeah, you know, Scott has talked for the past two seasons about needing, you know, that bell cow or a running back. Like, who can I go to in that four-minute offense? Or who can I, I go to to truck their way to two, two yards? And he said it was going to be Diedrich. That didn't really happen. Step is that guy. He has the size. He has former a Power 5 experience. And, and yeah, the ball just seems to move when he, he's in there. Just He can see a hole and hit it. And he can pound his way for full four yards if he needed to. He is that bell cow. So I hope they keep giving him an opportunity to, to go with it. He falls forward. I like that. Yeah. Um. Only two penalties on the day. Yeah. So I like th- that. This is something that I was going to bring up. Um. And that is, I on the show previously, I've talked about Scott Frost not having the ability to get like a tune-up game, um, to kind of like make the adjustments uh, that he needs to heading into like Big Ten play and all that good stuff. So I think what I really liked seeing was the difference between the first week against Illinois, against the Big Ten team, and then the second week against Fordham, and how little like our turnovers were and how little our penalties were. Now, mind you, I understand that if maybe the skill would have been better on the other side, it, it would have hundred percent been a different outcome mm-hmm. because if you're out skilled in any position, that's where you start getting penalties because guys are beating you over and over again and all that good stuff. Uh, but we finally got to see kind of what Scott Frost got to do between game one and game two and make those adjustments. And the team I think responded really well in that regard. Yeah. Yeah. Touchbacks. There's God. a lot. We yeah, have all two of studs. All the touchbacks. They both kicked it through the end zone most of the time. Yeah. I'm cool with having two guys. You can rotate that position. If they're both going to kick it through the end zone, I don't give a shit who's doing it. Right. Okay, so positives. Um, Let's talk about yeah. wide receivers. Yeah. Okay, I mean, yeah, we did talk about Toure, but... Yeah. I One thing yeah. I really liked about wide receivers, Omar Manning, and he Let's is, go. Thank you. Okay, let's let's jump on Omar train, Okay. He, whoop, whoop, he, on he is on the field. He is playing. He is way more talented than Wyatt Lever. I don't think I don't know why Wyatt Lever's playing, but whatever. We'll we'll get on that tangent later. Omar Manning is probably the best blocking wide receiver we've had at the University of Nebraska, maybe ever. I this dude is pancaking okay. cornerbacks. I, I and get DBs. it. I get it. It's been a while. It's been a but don't say ever. Like okay. eh, you know. Yeah, okay, yeah. I <laughs> all right, yeah. Thank it looked you. good though. It looked Thank good. Thank you. He, okay, but Omar is a great blocker. He sets the edge. And it looks like he's very passionate about blocking because, I mean, he is he's hyped up when when his uh, you know, when he's blocking and guys are making plays, getting first downs. Yeah. 
He is no block, no rock. This guy needs the ball. He embodies he that. Em- yes, he motto. needs the ball. He earns it. He he puts his money where his mouth is. He is blocking. He's playing gritty. And that yeah. dude needs to get more plays because he makes plays with the ball in his hand too. Let me just say, like, there was a lot of talk about Omar and is he going to play? And we would even joke about it. Like, he's he's in the therapy room more than he is on the field. And it's like, you see him block and it's just like, dang, this guy's kind of a an animal out there. Just mauling folks. And it's like, it it just, I didn't expect it, right? You kind of expect a dude who doesn't hold a block, right? Because he's not entirely... He's not committed. He's not all in. Exactly. Yeah. But seeing him spring a few of those runs on the outside, I'm like, let's go. Yeah. You know? Well, I was a little surprised. What I liked about him, too, was, like, he finished. He was blocking till the whistle. Yeah. That was my... I, I was jumping up and down. My my seat family next to me, that was... And we'll get into the atmosphere here in a little bit, but, like, getting back to the Memorial Stadium, sitting with my seat family, the same people I sit by every year, every game. Yeah. Like... I was yelling and screaming from my seat every play. I saw Omar just pushing boys back and celebrating afterwards. Yes. Like that's the best part. It's kind of like Mo Berry, you know, after every freaking yeah. tackle he had, he was just jumping up, like <laughs> dancing, something like that. Like it didn't matter if the play went for one yard or 40 yards. Like Omar was just out there just feeling it. He was having a good time. Yep. Another thing. I don't know if Eric wanted to touch on Omar any, anymore, but yeah, uh, the guy, Again, I know it's Fordham, but he gets open. He found a way to get open, and three receptions for 54 yards is a good week for any receiver, just regardless of who, who you play. And I can't believe I'm just now mentioning this. It's taken me too long to say this. The triple option look. Oh. Hey, let's go, dude. <laughs> With Toure. Hey. Three, three carries for 35 yards. So, that you know, that's over 11 per carry. Yeah. One of them was for a touchdown. I saw that and I go, I like that little, that wrinkle. I wish it wasn't a wrinkle. I wish it was like, you know, they call wrinkles. Like it only happens a few times a game. I wish it happened a little more. Right. You know, but it it warmed the cockles of my heart with seeing that. (laughs) Well, and it just might happen more. I think. I hope so. I I think it worked. And I think the, the coaching staff liked what they saw when they were running that type of offense. The, the only thing that worries me a little bit is now that it's on film, teams can prepare for it. Another thing that concerns me is that they only ran it with Toure. Yeah. Like, yeah. you don't have any other guys that you can try it out. You don't have Alante. Alante would be gold. I need Alante out there, yeah. too. Yeah. Because you, you got to mix up your looks, right? You can't just have Toure and guys going, okay, watch the triple option out here. You got to have Alante out there, too, doing. Speaking yeah. of Alante, <laughs> I think that guy's ankles are still sitting on Memorial Stadium. Yeah. Those back-to-back him. jukes or whatever he did, those what? stops. What? Yeah, yeah, those Chris Berman specials were just <laughs> amazing. And that guy needs to see the field. He's just been trying to get healthy. So I understand why he hasn't seen the field as much. But you saw how electric he is when he touches the ball. <laughs> so right now you're looking at Omar Manning, Samori Torre, Alante Oliver Brown. Martin, Alante Brown. Like, you have got a stacked wide receiver room. So I'm excited to see what they do. but. Yeah. And just another positive. This was all offense, by the way. So I just want to shed some light on the D. They didn't let Fordham finish most drives. Correct. Yeah. Fordham, you know, they drove a little bit. They they made a game out of this thing, but they just weren't able to do just enough to finish off drives with six points, even three because of that block kick by Dismute. 
Yeah. That was and that great. was big. That, that was, was a that was a big momentum swing right there. Yeah. So we needed another special teams positive right there, I guess. I don't think it's going to be as simple as that going forward, but you got to take it when you can get it. But, yeah. Right? And speaking of the defense, I did like the play of Deontay Williams. I think he he I mean, he got two picks and Jojo finally got his first pick, I think, of his career. Yeah. yeah. And so I think those super seniors finally showed their head a little bit in that game. Dismute getting a block, Jojo getting a pick, De- Deontay getting two. I think you're showing why they came back for mm-hmm. another game. He, I think he was graded as the highest. I mean, pro football focus, a lot of people put stock into that. A lot of people don't. But for what it's worth, he was rated as the highest scoring safety of that week, even over the Notre Dame safety who had those interceptions during the FSU game. So it's like, hey, Deontay, two picks. I like it. Yeah. Takeaways. Need more. So I, I do want to interject um, a new segment that I'd like to start here on, on the No Block No Rock podcast, all right? Uh-oh. We didn't talk about this. New know, segment I'm, sponsored by Kyle View Productions. Yeah, I'm, 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 I'm just putting it out here, all right? No Block No Rock's notable opponent players, right? Let's talk about this linebacker that's got 30 freaking tackles. 31. 31 now. 31. 31. They updated it. Yep. 31. So Ryan Greenhagen, are you freaking kidding me? Let's give him a No Block No Rock round of applause. <sighs> Like I'll, okay, we I am clapping, but at the same time, I'm watching it and I'm like, why isn't anyone just knocking this dude on his ass? Yeah, right. Because at him. some point you're like, okay, that's their guy, and I have to do something with him. Yeah, why, you know what I mean? Why yeah. are your linemen not on the second level? Yeah, and putting the wood on him. You right. know what I'm saying? Uh, but Prop, hey, hey, hat tip. Hey, hat tip to him. We'll get into the negatives here in a little bit. Is there <laughs> any more positives that we have, boys? Okay, let's move on to the. Not so positives. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we won't call them negatives because we still won the game fifty-two to seven, and we are we are celebrating a win regardless of who the competition was. A dub is a dub is a dub. Second play of the game, mesh point fumble. I I was standing up, you know, I was sta- I'm standing up usually most of the game, and then that happens, and I just sit down and I go, here we go, here it is. Luckily, he converted on the third and eighteen with a run. So it didn't have any ramifications that were too dire. But second play of the game, mesh point fumble with Irvin. It's like, oh boy, can we not do this? Can we not waste any more downs, please? Well, and you know they've ran that play 100,000 times. Right. It is a simple, that was a simple read. And Irving, I mean, maybe you can blame him being a freshman or whatever, but if he's out there, if he is your starting running back and you're on the second play of the game, and you know all these plays are scripted. The first like first couple drives are usually scripted for the most part. Yeah. If, if he's out there, you have to be able to execute the plays that you've been practicing all spring, all fall, and all this week. And again, it didn't have any long-standing consequences, but it's just one of those things where it made you have a third and eighteen. It would against Iowa. You know what I'm saying? It, it would, would against, against anybody else. It would against well, anybody. Hey, yeah. like they said in Winning Crashers, lock it up. You need to lock it up. <laughs> yeah. Okay, like, you know, again, you think it's simple. Maybe it is for us, maybe not for them, but those are simple things that a D1 Power 5 team needs to clean up. Yeah, well, Scott Frost came out, and he's like, yeah, this, that was not a run play at all. There was no option to run there. Yeah. So it's like, what are you doing? Another thing that was concerning was Fordham did make this a game for nearly a whole half. Yeah. You know, Fordham's offense was moving. They were moving until – uh, Until the field got short. 
until the yeah the, okay the field got short but he also he overthrew his guy by just a little bit which caused a tip jojo was there thank goodness for the turnover but they were driving and it's like just one of those things where okay d come on you got me a little nervous here it's yeah. them. well you could clearly see that they had watched the illinois game because half of their game was literally just running sideline to sideline and just getting to like like you said like the three step drop back passes mm-hmm. where it's just you're just throwing darts all over the field and it was working. So you have to imagine that Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, all these people when it comes time, they're going to look at that all this film and they're going to be like, "Well, we know what's going to work." And like a positive that I could have said was Quentin Newsom got a sack, which yeah. made it third and 14. Yep. But what did Fordham do? They converted on that third and 14 on that drive. So it's just like, okay, get off the field. Please. Yes. Get off the field. This is, this is Fordham. Right? And, and we're not going to say this this entire episode, but right. it's, it's one of those things when you have an FCS opponent pushing you around like that, where your defensive line cannot get any push, which they did against Illinois, which is surprising. It's like, okay, Illinois, they're a Big Ten school. They should, they should be more dominant on the offensive line. And you were getting pressure with four guys. Yeah. And then you move into Fordham, and you couldn't get any pressure. And the only sack you had for your Big Mac snack, or Big Mac sack, Big whatever Mac you want to call it, the only sack you got was a corner blitz. And yeah. he, re- I really respect what he, Quentin Newsom did on that play because he did try to go for the ball, but he didn't, he didn't risk himself getting any penalty of any sort. Nope. He yeah. hit the guy, got right off of him, and moved on. So Next play. Next play, he did exactly what he was supposed to do, especially if you're bringing a young guy, a young freshman or sophomore, whatever he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Mike, you just kind of touched on it—the lack of push. I mean, for, from both the O line and the D line, in my opinion. Oh, don't you get know, me started on the O line, <laughs> Eric. What about the D line? What were you going to say before? Um. Yeah, it's kind of concerning that they couldn't get like any sort of of pressure on Fordham and and again I'm sure it was the quick two step drop pass two step drop pass but still yeah. it's an FCS team which we've said before you need to get some sort of push you're playing in the Big 10 for for a reason and they're playing in I think the Patriot League you need to get a push against the lesser teams cuz if that continues, it ain't gonna bode the whole real well at all. Well, and if you if you look at the Illinois game, JoJo they they were they were bringing like five people just about every single play. Like they weren't they weren't messing around. Like they were just gonna be in um, Illinois quarterback's face the entire day. Whereas Fordham, I think they respected the the pass game just a little bit more because uh, I mm. think that the game plan was them to come in here and just throw the ball all over the field. So they weren't. Jojo was hardly ever rushing um, and it was literally three or four at a time the entire game. So I think that has something to do with it, but you have to be able to get pressure with four guys. Yeah. And I just want to, I want to touch on the O-line. So you look at their, their rush yards and when you look at the number, it's like, okay, they must've done good work. First half, it was a little shaky. Like Mike mentioned the second level just couldn't reach that second level. Um, Had a few, Long runs, you know, there's a 19, 21, but it just didn't seem like the running backs were being all that productive to me. Like, you can look at the numbers, but I don't know, just the eye test to me. It just was like the linebacker. What's his name? Green. What is it? Greenhouse? Greenhagen. Greenhagen. Get a body on that guy. And if you get a body on him, maybe you spring it, right? They just just couldn't do it. So 
the O-line, they need to lean on people. And they needed to lean on Fordham. And I think they did in the second half. It got better. But that first half, you got to come out and you got to – you can't – I don't, I don't want to say they got embarrassed or anything, but it's just you got to do better than that. You know yeah, what I mean? It is a lot of – it's a lot of guys just kind of being pushed around and just getting lucky that the quarterback got rid of the ball already. You know what I mean? I thought that Adrian was getting the ball out quick and kind of keeping the pressure off of himself. Had he not been, I really think that defensive line would have been causing issues. Well, so moving on from defensive line, another – Concern, muffed punts, Cam Taylor Britt, do you replace him? And I say yes. With who? Lee. Oliver Martin. Just get a guy. What about Alante? Where's Alante? Well, Alante would be fine too, but we. I mean, there's probably a reason he's not back there. I'm Maybe sure. he doesn't I'm field sure. punts well. My I thing is, you know who fields punts really well? Oliver Martin gets there, catches the ball. You know, I'm not holding my breath. He's going right. to catch the damn ball, and he, and the play's over. It's okay. I'm he, expecting the bare minimum That's right okay. Now. I'm okay with it. And he's smart. His heels are on the 10-yard line. He's not fielding punts inside the 10. You know, you brought in Brody Belt because Oliver Martin wasn't available. Who he, had a little bobble himself. Yeah, he bobbled it, you know. and thank God it went out of bounds. But it's like they need to get this squared up because when you go in and play Oklahoma in two weeks or even Buffalo this week, like those plays – change games yeah, you yeah. you need to have that squared up yeah scott frost came out this week and was like you know i don't fire players because of like their performance or i, I don't really know the quote but he always oh, he said he doesn't fire people because of their mistakes mm. he's like but the mistakes need to stop okay well scott isn't that kind of Two games mm, now. Do I want to? Do I want to go big picture? Two games now. Big, Ooh. big mistakes were made by the same person. I love Cam Taylor Britt. I think he's sure. he's one of the best people on our football team. But bruh, well, it's just why is he? Why is he so bullish on CTB back there? Why? Like he's he's muffed it three times. Well, and three times going back to last year too. At the end, he muffed it. Yeah. it over. Yeah. There is no proof that even shows that we're going to be able to return a punt at all. So just get somebody back there that can catch it and make the decision to call a fair catch or let it roll in the end zone. I'm with you. Literally, we haven't had an inch to return a punt yet. So who gives a shit who's actually back there? Just make sure they can catch the ball and make a smart decision. Yeah. That's it. Well, DeMornay Pearsonell isn't rock walking to that door. He's busy playing for Dewan the Broncos. Gross is somewhere, not here. So <laughs> you know? We just need a guy. I don't care if he's housing him. Just get the ball yeah. in the into the offense's hands and move on from there. Like yeah. that's that's how it has to be. I think those are, you know, the most noteworthy negatives. That if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um let's let's talk about the, the atmosphere around the stadium. Um, in my opinion, you know, it was just kinda ho hum. And as Kyle said, it reminded him of the what? The spring game. Yeah, it kind of was like the spring game, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Which was a welcomed feeling. Sure. Because that means that there's obviously not a whole lot going on in the field that's concerning anyone. So it's like, you know, yeah. we're, we're just kicking the shit out of these kids and, you know, we'll <laughs> just move on to the next week. And we're just here for the, you know, for the chance and the, the slow motion wave. Right. So it's like, God, I hate that. <laughs> <sighs> that's the, you know, <laughs> I hate the the wave. Can we ban it? Eric, do you like the wave? You like the wave. God. The fast wave is fun. <laughs> no, actually, I think the wave. I 
I happen to agree with Jared. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, the wave should be banned. I, um, like at the beginning of the game, like there was that little pocket of the student section that was empty, but that's really it. I mean, there wasn't any like you couldn't look out and just see gray bleachers everywhere. Like it was just the top of the the student section, but then even that filled in later. Yeah, it but in. it looked good. like on TV, it looked fine, right? Like you didn't look and go, ooh. It wasn't like Ohio State after halftime and the Riley tenure. Yeah. Well, Mike, Mike's making a face. He's making a so cringe face. I'll give you guys my input. I totally agree with the stadium felt bleh. Especially Just like meh. It, it wasn't like an Akron game, like first game of the season, oh, right. like electricity. You could feel it in the air type of thing. But I will say like. I, I feel like the fans just kind of assumed they were going to win this game, which good assumption, but maybe not. I don't know. And I feel like a lot of people kind of got to their seats really late too. Like a lot yeah. of people in my section were rolling in like midway mm-hmm. through the first quarter. So yeah. I don't know. Maybe people were just a little bit checked out last week. I don't expect it to be like that at all against Buffalo next week. I think yeah. with the nine 11 tribute, the new uniforms, I think there's going to be enough energy to get this thing rolling and feel normal again. Yeah. So, but yeah, I, I'm with you guys. It wasn't, it didn't feel normal. I did love being back in my seat, sitting with my favorite people. I, I go to games with and, and, and not to mention tailgating before the game, all of that stuff was just, it made my heart so full. <laughs> and you know, last week I was talking mad crap, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to go. I'm going to go begrudgingly. I'm not going to go happy. Begrudgingly. But look, begrudgingly. But look, I'll admit, after a 52-7 to win, like you're sitting there and you're like, okay, this feels good. Like this was supposed to happen, and it happened. The other option is they don't win, okay? But they did. Right. You can only play the team in front of you. Thank you, Bill Moose, for getting this game scheduled. I think they really needed it. Yeah. Uh, because if you can imagine playing Buffalo after having this week off and playing like crud against Illinois – Probably wouldn't have gone too well. That's two like weeks. That's, that's two weeks of anguish. People oof, have to wait. Of anguish. Yeah. <laughs> well, and back to what Kyle said. Teeth gnash. Like Scott Frost hasn't really had a true tune-up game for like even this year. Like playing Illinois, and you can say what you want about Illinois. I mean, Nebraska came out sloppy. If Nebraska would have played this game first, I don't think we would stumble like we did. Maybe make some of the mistakes we did against Illinois. It's just one of those things. It's like you need a game like this to knock the rust off. And so Scott Frost finally got it maybe a week too late. Yeah. But Scott Frost finally got his tune-up game. Hopefully Buffalo is similar. That's like my only hope, right? Is that like this is what we needed to get on track? Yeah. Because 2018, the Akron game is canceled, right? So you start with Colorado. 2019, you automatically start with Colorado. Yeah. Then 2020, uh, it's all Big Ten you start with Ohio State. So it's literally like nonstop for the last four years. We've literally just been walking into our first game against other Power Five, you know, teams. And it's like, where do you, where can you kind of like gauge where you're at and where can you make adjustments? Fordham, you roll that many running backs through and that many backups and and third string personnel, like you're gonna understand what your team has and you're gonna know what adjustments to make after that. So that's my only hope is that. Now that we had kind of a nice warm up game before the big games start later on, mm-hmm. like I think I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Okay. Before we get too deep into Buffalo, we just want to shout out to our sponsor, Nebraska Brewing Company, fellas. We are drinking the Eos Hefeweizen, self described as a Bavarian wheat beer. 
thoughts, guys? What do you think? You know, I'm a I'm a big fan of this one, and, and I've been drinking Nebraska Brewing Company for a long time. And like when I go in there, I have two favorite beers. It's gonna be this Hefeweizen EOS or EOS. I call it EOS. I don't know what it's. I think actually it's. Called. I think it's EOS. Okay, EOS. EOS. We'll call yeah. it whatever. But like when I go in there, I order one of two beers. It's gonna be this Hefeweizen EOS, or it's gonna be the Taco Vesa, which I hope we have on a future episode, because that is my favorite one. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it is just it's a good beer. I'm a more of a lighter beer kind of guy. So like this is a really good good taste for me. It's five point two percent. Yeah. So it's it's not too crazy. Yeah. It's not too light either. It's just got that nice little bite to it. Yeah. Right. That it's got like kind of a banana like flavor to it. I I love this this wheat beer. It's great. Yeah. Well, and I mean, I'm already finished. Week two week two of the sponsorship, and I'm gonna say it again. I'm not a big craft beer guy, but I'll tell you what, these boys are putting out some pretty good beer, so I'm, yeah. I'm pretty happy about it. I also found out today, uh, before we move on to our next segment, I found <laughs> out today that Nebraska Brewing Company does sell seltzers, so they are in the seltzer game. I can't wait to preview some of those for our listeners as well, because, hey, man, I mean, believe it or not, everybody's got a seltzer, including our sponsor, Nebraska Brewing Company, and I can't wait to try one. Yeah, so guys, listen, go try this EOS Hefeweizen, get that Taco Vesa. From their tap room, which is located off 108th and Harrison. Here in Omaha, Nebraska. That's right. Or La Vista. Yeah. Since I'm the LV boy, I got to shout out La Vista. Hey. Anytime I can say La Vista, I say La Vista. Yeah. So go visit that tap room and get those beers. All right. On to Buffalo. Now, uh, last I looked, the line was 11 and a half. I don't know if that's changed. I think it's 11 and a half as of Wednesday night when we're recording. I think that might be a little too high. In my opinion, what do you guys think oh, about yeah. that line? Yeah, they I'm saw the thirteen and a half. But see, I think it started at thirteen and a half. I okay. think it, I think it's moved okay. down eleven and a half. But either way, even either one, it's like uh, might be a little high. Yeah, maybe I, eight and a half. Vegas saw the ass whooping that occurred at Memorial Stadium last weekend, and they're like, "Oh, they got it. Yeah. They're back." Literally, everybody in the state of Nebraska is like, mm, "Hold on." Like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm very hesitant. Like, okay, in my mind, in my heart, eleven and a half should be another coverable spread for Scott Frost. With that being said, Buffalo, if, if you want to talk about tune-up games like we just did a little bit ago, Buffalo had their tune-up game. Yes, they did. And they looked better than Nebraska did. How much points did they score? 69. Nice. 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 So, nice. did we say nice? They, they beat up on Wagner, which I don't know if you want to say they're the same competition as Fordham. I don't, I, I don't even know. What's their mascot? Who I don't know. gives a shit? I see an eagle thing. Oh, they're the Seahawks. I don't know how I know that. But oh, I do. God. <laughs> well, the Seahawks have large talons. <laughs> do the chickens have large talons? Look, they didn't have any large talons in that game versus Buffalo. They got you know beat down 69-7 for whatever it's worth. I mean, like we said with with this for, game with Fordham, you just got to beat whoever's in front of you, and Buffalo did. But, yeah, I think I think the crowd is going to get juice back up again. This is This is another game that you cannot take lightly. You just can't. And I there's probably this perception in Nebraska land that Buffalo, oh, yeah, didn't Turner Gill coach them? And, like, they stink. And then their good coach left for Kansas. It's like, eh, but let's pump the brakes. We are, we are a Nebraska team who is in the lower echelons of Power 5 right now. Okay? Yeah. So we have to play like we are and not overlook them. Yes. Right? Yeah. And, and Scott Frost said this week, too, he's not overlooking his opponent. Uh, he has history against some of the guys on this staff, and they actually have Scott Frost's number. So Scott is definitely not overlooking this game. And 
my opinion of this game is Nebraska just has to do what they did last week, take care of the damn ball, and and you'll be fine. I, I, I think yeah. as long as Nebraska does not beat themselves, this is another game that Nebraska should win. Now, but they are a dangerous team. If you give them things, they will take it. If you give them an inch, they're going to take 10 yards. Like Fordham could have taken advantage of some oh, things, yeah. oh, and yeah. they just didn't. They couldn't finish drives. They couldn't take advantage of you know, the CTB fumble recovery, right? They couldn't really do anything. Buffalo yeah. is probably going to be different. For the rest of my life, if I – every time that I hear, as long as Nebraska doesn't beat themselves, I'm just going to cringe because it's like – we already know it's going to happen. <laughs> we already know. We like at this point, we already know there's there's more things to point towards. Okay, yeah, we're going to have fumbles, we're going to have interceptions, we're going to have some terribly timed penalties. It's what you do after. Cuz even Trev Albert said before the Illinois game, this team something bad is going to happen to it during this Illinois game. Yeah. And it's about how you respond to it. Yeah. So but this is a team in, in Buffalo that's won 25 games in the last three seasons, and and that includes a 30-point win like, like at Rutgers three years ago. Their QB's back, and their running back is a four-year guy. It averages five yards a carry in his, his career, and it's a winning culture. And right now, Nebraska doesn't have that, unfortunately. And It's a game a Nebraska sh- should show up to play, because if uh, they don't, they're going to lose. And I hate to say it, but that's yeah. where it's at. Yeah. If you give Buffalo an inch, it is going to make for a very interesting Saturday. Mm-hmm. And you know, just things that we could expect. Just because, look, we have we haven't done a scouting report of Buffalo. We just haven't. So, like Eric said, they have this four-year running back. If you look at last week, Fordham, they averaged four point six yards per carry, which hey, that's pretty good for an FCS team coming on the road. So, you got to think that Buffalo's going to want to eat clock, establish the run. So that's just one thing I'm going to be looking for. How's Nebraska going to stop the run? And hopefully they will continue to be bullish on offense about establishing the run. Yeah, well, and this past week, you know, uh, in the press conferences and stuff, they've kind of talked about like, oh, yeah, you know, Adrian Martinez came to the sideline and had some words for the offensive line and kind of got under their skin a little bit and kind of poked the bear. And it's like, okay, but I'm kind of over all the – rah-rah bullshit right like i've Mm. heard for four years the culture wasn't right and i've heard for four years that you know we just don't have a winning mentality stuff like that it's like i don't want to hear none of that no more like just show me what's going on like show me what you're going to do on the field i don't care adrian martinez came over and talked to the offensive line like that stuff it's worthless to me at this point i think that you guys just have to show up on the field just shut your mouths and just play the game well to play devil's advocate with that like with adrian he's always kind of been this kind of silent leader guy yeah yeah and like as far as we know we have we've never seen him light up in anybody right yep we never saw that with taylor martinez either like it's kind of been a while where where we haven't had this quarterback that's been like this fiery leader like you might call a tommy frazier right so maybe this is a turnaround where the o-line they learned from adrian hey we got to protect this dude and it seemed like in the second half they got a lot better yeah. So maybe maybe it lit a little fire. Yeah. So maybe maybe that's what happened. It could happen. I hope. Well, and the offensive line shouldn't need that from their quarterback, but hopefully right. they take that to heart because the quarterback is the guy. This is this is your guy. This is the guy that is going to be leading this team as long as he's healthy. Yeah. He needs to be 
He needs to be comfortable in the pocket, and you need to be opening holes for your running backs. Yep. I There's a couple times, Jared, you mentioned this earlier, where Step kind of made something out of nothing. And you shouldn't have to do that against Fordham. And in my yeah. opinion, you shouldn't have to do that against Buffalo. You need to be a Big Ten team. You need to be physical, and you need to assert your dominance right away. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I'll be looking for. And yep. gosh, if Scott Frost would please... Just defer one time. If we're going to get the ball and we're not going to score anyways, you might as well just get out there and play freaking defense. But he believes they're going to score. He believes. Okay. Well, Which, hey, that's good. I believe that he's tw- 13 and 21. That, that's what I believe. So Can't argue that. You know what? It is what it is. Okay. Look, I mean, we touched on Buffalo. Uh, it's going to be a big game, 9-11 tribute. You got the alternate jerseys coming out. They look pretty sharp. Yeah, what do you guys think about that the the helmet? It, some I've heard a lot of mixed bags on Twitter. Yeah. Do you guys like the NU logo? I do. I Jared, sure. Jared and I are wearing the same t-shirt right now. I think it's safe to say <laughs> if we had the camera on, you know, we're sitting here with the logo shirt on. Yeah, I think we like it. I'm yeah. about it. It's uh it looks kind of like the Oklahoma logo, but you Whoa. know what? If you can take something from Oklahoma and maybe you might win more games. I don't know. Um but, yeah, they have to win games with alternates. So let's get that dub. Let's sign off, guys. This is one of your hosts, Jared Hall, Mike Delaware, Kyle Byer. And, and as always, beat Buffalo. Yeah.